Amen. Dearly beloved, we have come together in the presence of God to witness and bless the joining together of this man and this woman in holy matrimony. That is a quote from the Book of Common Prayer. Ah, a wedding. Smiling couple, a happy couple, smiling family and friends, a beautiful church, a beautiful dress, and beautiful words from Holy Scripture. Maybe you've heard some of these words before. Love is patient, love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. There's more to the passage, but it ends famously in this way. And now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, and the greatest of these is love. How many of you have ever heard that passage read at a wedding? Raise your hand. I see lots of nods. I see lots of hands. Well, it's not that 1 Corinthians 13 doesn't fit at a wedding, but it didn't first come up at a wedding. St. Paul's famous passage about love did not start off at a harmonious wedding of smiling people. No. It first started off among a conflicted church of divided people. What church? The first century little church in Corinth, Greece. How are things going there? Well, to give you a sense, the members of the congregation were taking each other to court publicly. They were suing each other. They were divided into little interest groups. And they all came from different cultures, different religions, and different social classes before they came to Christ. It was a hot mess. They were new to this Jesus stuff. They were trying to figure it out. But they certainly were not holding hands and singing Kumbaya. It was a lot more like the worst of our reality TV shows. Uh, Judge Judy and all those other celebrity judges that are out there and the people they have on their shows, well, those people have nothing on the chaos that was the Corinthian church. It was a bit like the Jerry Springer show. Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. And so the Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians, which we just heard read, the Apostle is, in a sense, trying to take his gavel down and bring some order to this very conflicted church where everyone is fighting and not getting along. So what's the deal with the Corinthians? Well, not only were they all very different and coming from different places, but they were arguing a lot about who was more spiritual, who was more gifted, who was right, and who was wrong. And so the Apostle Paul backs up a rhetorical red dump truck. Whose words are so heavy, whose words are so loud, that when they tumble to the ground, silence follows. Silence, even to the Corinthians, and they're bickering. It silences the Corinthians' attempts, and yours and mine, 
to justify our worth as human beings, or our giftedness, or our ability, and all the different ways that human beings do. Here's some examples. Some people say this to themselves, some people say this to others, but different people say these kinds of things. Well, I have a very successful business. Or, you know, years ago, I was a model. Or, I have several degrees from prestigious institutions. Or, you know, I have a lot of children. We have a big family. Or, did you know that I volunteer three days a week at the local shelter? Or, did you know that I have performed in many cities to great acclaim? Or, I have a lot of money, and I worked hard for it. Or, you know, I'm just really a nice person. When you just try to justify who you are and your worth, what do you say to yourself? What do, what do I say to myself? But in 1 Corinthians 13, is saying that all those things without love count for nothing. Zero. Zilch. Nada. Forget it. St. Paul says it a bit more poetically. Again, maybe you've heard these verses before. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Oh, and by the way, when I was a younger man, I, I was a model, uh, a nose model specifically, and actually just the left nostril. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And actually I did a lot of left nostril nose doubling for many actors and then some big Hollywood movies. Uh, Braveheart, Mel Gibson, that's my left nostril. Uh, Kevin Costner, Dances with Wolves, that's my left nostril. Sometimes it pays to be nosy. Doesn't usually pay to listen to my jokes. But a little more serious survey by a showing of hands. How many of you are ready to give up all your possessions, as St. Paul talks about in this passage? Oh, we got some takers in the back. Well, that's very unusual. Talk to us afterwards. We'll see what you have. <laughs> How many of you are willing, as St. Paul says, to hand over your body to be destroyed. See as much enthusiasm for that. Um, okay, we got some people who are raising their hands. How many people are willing to die on a cross or to serve as a missionary in a dangerous part of Africa? Or how many of you would voluntarily, for one month, choose to live in very, like a studio apartment with someone whose political views were inflaming opposition to yours? Some of you are saying, well, that's my marriage or that's my family, but. But for the rest of us, a lot of those things, I didn't see too many hands, just a couple, because all of those things require extraordinary love. Those are all acts of extraordinary love. And for most of us to do them, it probably require a dump truck of God's grace, God's help for us to do those things. So if we're not willing to do those really high-level stuff that St. Paul's talking about, what's the good news for the rest of us, ordinary people? Well, the good news for the rest of us, the good news for those who live in a Corinthian-like world of incessant division and drama, the good news for those of us who are willing to step forward just a little bit toward greater love, 
is something that we could describe in one word, a way that we shuffle forward toward greater love, we could use the word kindness. Let's say that together. Kindness. Good, I like the enthusiasm. How many of you are willing, with a little bit of God's help, not the whole dump truck of grace, but just a little spoonful of grace, a little bit of help, to step forward just a little bit toward kindness? I see some nods, I see some hands. Well, that's excellent. That's excellent. And thankfully, we don't just do that by ourselves, because as Christians, we live the life together lifestyle. Anything we do as we strive to grow in the way of love, we do as members of the body of Christ. And that makes it a little easier to do those very challenging things. Let's get back to the scripture. Again, maybe you've heard this part of the passage before. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. Let's say that together. Love is patient. Love is kind. One more time. Love is patient. Love is kind. One writer put it this way. Kindness is love in action. Kindness is love in action. Now, Christians often talk about love and people go, oh, fundamental nonsense, who cares? That's not what we're talking about when we talk about love in a Christian context. There's a place for that, but that's not the main thing from a Christian point of view. 1 Corinthians 13 love, Jesus-like love, Christ-like love, is not really primarily a feeling. It's actually a choice. It's a decision. It's an action. It's something you do, often regardless of your feelings at the time. Some questions for you. How many of you always feel lovey-dovey toward people whose political views are opposite to yours? Yeah, no. And so what if you don't? How many of you always feel cozy, comfy with people of generations different than yours? So what if you don't? Maybe you don't like that person at work. Maybe you have a real problem with that politician. Maybe you don't understand those people. But so what? With a little spoonful of God's grace, you can step forward toward greater love. You can do that kindness shuffle. So I want you to do a little mental exercise. I want you to think about that politician, that person, that group of people, whoever they are. I want you to imagine them. If you need to close your eyes, that's fine. I want you to picture them. And I want to picture you, with God's help, just stepping forward toward greater love, just a little kindness shuffle forward to be kind to them in some way, in a way that you haven't been previously, how you speak about them, how you interact with them, whatever. Imagine yourself, God's help, being kind to them. And if you're sitting there going, I can't do that, well, of course you can. God has dump trucks and spoonfuls of grace to help you do it. So it's really up to you if you want to do it or not, but God's like, hey, I'm ready to help you out with this. And the rest of us are ready here to cheer you on. Here's a statement. You tell me whether it's true or whether it's false. This week, maybe even right after the service, as you watch TV, as you're on your devices, as you interact with people, your kindness will be tested. Is that true or false? Oh, it's true. It's going to be 
majorly true uh, for some of us, depending on how our week goes, it will. And those periods of testing are opportunities, opportunities to flex your faith muscles, not opportunities like I so often do, and maybe you do, to give in to the worst of my inclinations or just to popular opinion and how people do things. No, it's an opportunity when your kindness is tested to live out your faith in a practical way with a person right in front of you or a person right on the screen. And you know what? So what if everybody else mocks that person at school, in your social circle, in your political party, and whatever circles you travel in? So what if everybody else mocks that person? So what if everyone talks that way? So what if everybody else is doing that thing? So what? You are called to follow the one who is called Christ, and not the many who are called proud. You are called to follow the one who is called Christ, and not the many who are called proud. Can I have an amen to that? Amen. Archbishop Desmond Tutu put it this way. He said, we grow in kindness when our kindness is tested. When you commit to being kind, you are making the world better for yourself, for the people you care about, and for the world. Kindness is very deceiving. It seems like it's such a small little thing. But doing the kindness shuffle shapes lives, communities, and the world with love. And remember, when you watch your next movie, you're looking for my left nostril. St. Paul says this to me. St. Paul, the Holy Scripture says this to you. It's tough. It says, whatever you've done with your life, whatever you've done with your life, however wonderful and whoever you are, without love, it means nothing. Zero zilch. The good news is whether you're 9 or 99, is that the smallest thing about you and the smallest good deed that you've ever done, you just add a little bit of God's grace, a little bit of love, a little spoonful of 1 Corinthians 13 love, then that tiniest thing about you and that small deed that you've done takes on everlasting value. Question. Is love intended for the harmonious wedding day? Sure, of course it is. No, it is. There's a place for it there, of course. But even more, this 1 Corinthians 13 love, this Jesus love, this Christian idea of love, is meant for the day of division with your co-workers at the office, for the tense moment with your family at home, and is meant for the long months of conflict among a nation. Put love into practice, which is another way of saying put your faith into practice. How do you do that? Well, what did St. Paul say? Love is patient. Love is kind. Amen.